If you would, take your Bible and turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We'll begin reading in verse 1. John chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being weary from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we come to you today. Um, to praise your name and to, uh, to worship you in spirit and in truth. We come to, to together corporately to be encouraged and encourage one another. And this is our time now to focus on you and your word and for you to speak to us. And Lord, I pray that that would be so that your word would, would be released, it would, it would accomplish what you would have in our lives. And Lord, I would get out of the way and just let your word speak to these people. Let your word speak to us today. And Lord, like the psalmist uh, has said, the psalm that we've read, that we have, we have fallen away. We have gone astray. We, we haven't fulfilled our responsibilities, even this week, Lord. And, and we've been afflicted. We've been found guilty as a result of that. And so we, we don't deserve to stand before you. We don't deserve to come and sing praises to you. But, Lord, you grant that to be so through the forgiveness of your Son, Jesus Christ. And, and it is in Him that we stand. It is in Him that we can approach your throne. It is in Him that, that Lord, we, we can sing these praises. And we thank you, Lord. What a privilege is ours as we enter this Thanksgiving season, this time where we just focus on what you have blessed us, how you have blessed us and and just showing appreciation and giving thanksgiving back to you. I pray that it would be genuine. I pray that it would be from our heart. Oh Lord, as, as, our, as our guilt has been shown to us this week, and as we come before you now, we can stand because of forgiveness in Christ. Now I pray that we would we would soak up what we can from Your Word today. May, it, may we understand its depths. May it reach um, deep into our lives so that we may have clear understanding and that You would be honored and that You would be glorified. 
through it today. Thank you, Lord, for those that are here, for those that are gathered together around your word. I pray that this would be a blessing. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been walking our way through this book of John. And um, we found ourselves in John chapter 4. And last week we began to uh, to develop four principles that... um, life principles, specifically concerning how to handle uh, political situation. And we find ourselves uh, somewhat in this world, at odds with this world, and, and it can be a politically challenging, a politically charged situation. And that's really the place that Jesus finds himself in this passage. And uh, so we want to just, we're pulling out some principles. How did Jesus handle this and uh, we have gone through a couple, but what I want you to see here is uh, just the fact that politics, and we brought it up last week, politics is a fight. Now you don't see it first here, but there's a fight that's going on here. There's a bigger battle here. <clears throat> than what is, what is being seen at first. But it's politics. Politics is a fight for control. It's a fight for power, ultimately. And we know the results of this politics that started, uh, will three and a half years after this, will wind up in the death of Christ. And it will appear that Christ lost. But politics is always about Control. It's always about power. It's a struggle. Now, I, I learned this early on um, when we were when we were growing up. Um, uh, we it was very similar to around here. The roads would get potholes. You, you know, you know what potholes are, and and um, and it was funny. Uh, every other year or around. Just before election time, those potholes would what? They would be filled. And, uh, you know, I didn't catch on at first, but somebody pointed it out to me. Boy, just around October, September, October, those potholes were being filled. What's the deal with that? And I began to realize, oh, yeah, election is in November. And so there might be some correlation between the two. And you begin to realize that someone's, you know, and and we're happy about the roads, and so we run out and vote. Yeah, he's doing a great job. And so we vote for this guy. I don't know who. I don't have anyone in particular. But you know the process. You know the system. And uh, what we find ourselves doing is voting for our own uh, interest, we might say. Our own interest. And sometimes it's just a reaction, we, we think seem good, and so we just, we just vote that way. And, and what we find ourselves is we, we are sometimes not even aware of the big picture. We're not aware that there is politics going on. And we're often not aware of the manipulation of politicians. We don't realize that they're playing us. And sometimes pitting us in against one another. And 
we, uh, we sometimes every once in a while can get a glimpse on a national scale that, hey, we're just pawns here. We're just being played like uh, many other uh, countries are being played as well, and, and mostly on a political, on a national level. And that's kind of the way politics works, and we've kind of just bought into that. Well, that's just the way they are. It's politicians. And, uh, and so we continue to vote with self-interest in mind. Well, I'm going to vote this particular way because this guy, he's going to help me out. And unfortunately, that has created this culture that we have today. And it's, and it's, it's really kind of an, a false illusion here. It, it seems that we have some freedom, but really, we really don't. That freedom is just an illusion that, that we're, we're being manipulated. Well, we know that we can get this, and so we vote this way, or we lean this way, or you get the picture. It's an appearance that we're free, but ultimately we realize we're being shuffled around here and it's this battle's going on and all of this is a political game. But let me tell you, there is a bigger battle than American politics. And that's the battle that Jesus is involved in right here. Um, And it is a real battle and it's at the beginning of Jesus' ministry... His ministry has just exploded. Things are happening there. Things are good. People are are coming to Him and identifying with Him through baptism. And they are being taught. And disciples are growing. And things things are good. But then it says, Therefore, when Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard that Jesus was making more disciples than John, what was going on there? Jesus knew, soon as the Pharisees heard that Jesus' ministry was growing, He knew and He knows the heart of man, and He knows how that heart is going to be jealous. And there's going to be conflict as a result of that, and there's going to be political maneuvering going on there. And so Jesus, uh, Jesus is having to be, He's going to be faced with a decision here in a moment we'll talk about. But there's a big picture going on. It's actually bigger than just these politics, the local politics. This is God's servant. And we know who is involved in the hearts and the minds of these Pharisees. It's actually a battle between Satan and God that's going on. And, it, and it's a chess match. It's a big chess match. And, and here's the way it works. God has created us to serve Him. He's created us for certain responsibilities, for certain roles that we are to play. Now, because of sin, it's messed this up. And so what we do is we find ourselves on the side of Satan himself, and we're finding ourselves on the side that is opposing God, and we find ourselves that way because we do not do what God has us to do. We do not fulfill our God-given roles. We do not fulfill our God-given responsibilities. And therefore, we're opposing God and we find ourselves on the side of Satan. And ultimately, we're a pawn of Satan, just being a pawn of Satan, just being manipulated. We have the sense of freedom. Boy, I'm just doing what I want to do. But ultimately, we realize Satan is just in control. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the god of this world. And he has a lot more control than what you are aware, what you think about. 
And you are on one side or the other. If you're fulfilling God's responsibilities and God's role for your life, you're on God's side. But if not, you're opposing God and and it's that clear. It really is that clear. And what we see from this passage is really it's a transition passage. Transitioning in a couple ways. There's a thought that's found in chapter 3 that's kind of the dominant thought, and he's now transitioning into an illustration of that thought. And the dominant thought is that the very fact that God so loved the world, that God was now bringing salvation not just to the Jews, but he's opening that salvation up to even the Gentiles. And that that uh, that was a shock to Nicodemus, and that was a fact that... Uh, uh, that John the Baptist points out as well at the end of verse, uh, the end of chapter three. He who believes, anyone, anyone that believes, and he's going to illustrate that that point by showing that Jesus offers the gospel, offers Himself as Messiah to who the Samaritan woman. We find that in verse seven. And so we see from verses 1 to 6 is just a transitioning and getting into that thought, that this expansion of the gospel. And you need to see that. But it's also a transition in the fact that Jesus is being moved from Judea to Galilee and he had to stop off in Samaria. And so Jesus himself was just a pawn. He was God's servant and God was moving him. It was his desire to serve his father and God was moving him in the right place in the right time. And he's using circumstances to do it. And I want us to notice that this is the kind of God that we serve. On the political or on the uh, national scale, God is in control. But on your uh, individual life, God is still in control. And that's ultimately what I want you to see today. The purpose, if you look at the, uh, the screen there, Christ completely depended upon the providential hand of God on both a national level as well as a personal level. God is that kind of God. He can, he can uh, play the chess game on a national scale, on a global scale, but also put you exactly where He wants you. To be. And that's exactly what we see with Christ as his servant. And really, we're, what we're seeing here is the humanity of Christ, that God's just, Christ is just depending upon his heavenly Father as he goes through life. And this is, this is kind of like a snapshot. This is the day in the life of Christ and his submission to his heavenly Father. And we see it's a snapshot of what God is doing on earth and the way God is working. And it's both in a political, or it's both in a, a national level as well as a personal level. And the question we're ask, asking and the, the way we're applying this to our life is, how should a Christian respond to a politically charged situation? And I think that's what we have. We have two worldviews conflicting here in America. And how are we to respond to that? What are, what are we to do? We understand that, that we're at a conflict here. and how, how do we handle that situation? It's difficult. Now, we've seen the first two. The first one, let me just kind of review. The first one is just be aware of the big picture. Christ was aware of what was going on in his situation with the Pharisees. He knew how they were going to react, how they were going to respond. And so 
he makes a decision based upon that fact. But he knew the big picture. He knew what was going on. And today, we have to be very careful to be aware of what is going on in our world today. I think that we have it in our mind uh, that everybody's just like us and we're kind of shocked every once in a while when we realize there's a whole world out there that doesn't think like we think. And, uh, and sometimes that happens around election time. But you have a world view here. You have a model. You have a model that's using essentially conflict resolution. And again, I, I've brought this up. I want you, but I want you to see how this works. Conflict resolution uses agitation. So we have people coming in, agitating other people, saying, Ah, you need to, you need to stand up for your rights. You need, to, you need to stand up and be heard. Let your voice to be heard. Then we're being pitted against one another for our own self-interests. Now, that's important. And that's what we've got. That's a climate that we have in America today. It's all about self-interests. And so we, we have the, the battle, the little skirmishes are between the rich and the poor. And the battles are between the men vote and the women vote. Or the black and the white. Or the educated and the uneducated. Or the worker and the non-worker. Or the old person versus the young person. Or the married versus the single. Let me tell you, those are skirmishes. Those are not the real issues. Those are not the real issues. And and we as Christians really should not get caught up into that. We shouldn't... There shouldn't be that that, uh, class warfare that we get caught up in. And and boy, it's just us against them. And and we're just going to battle it out. That, that's not where the battle is, is it? We recognize that there's a bigger picture and it's a spiritual battle that's going on and it's not, uh, it's not just this false little stuff to, to get people excited or um, uh, agitated enough to where they will stand up for their rights so that the idea then is we can all get to the table and hash this thing out and we can pr- produce a better society. But listen, truth will never be discovered or truth will never be um, uh, established through the majority. Truth is established through the Word of God. We start there. That is the place of truth. It is not through getting everybody at the table and, uh, and compromising and hashing this out and coming to truth and uh, then we live by that. No, God has the way we are to live. There are absolutes. And we don't send people to Washington, D.C. so that we can get what we want. It's not about our own self-interest. And what we will wind up doing is we will wind up being just like Peter, the verse we read last week of Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus had to turn to Peter and say, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're, you're on Satan's side of this thing, Peter, because you're taking man's interest and not God's. And listen, I feel that this is exactly where America is today. We're really at a crossroads. And it's going to come down to man's interest or God's interest. And it seems like our, the direction of our culture, the direction of our society, is we have already chosen man's interest. And that's the way we're going to go. 
And our whole system now seems to be uh, directed toward that way. That it's, it's us against them. It's, uh, it's we have to stand up for our rights. We have to put our man into, polit- into the, uh, in the political, right political situation. We have to have our interest groups. We have to, we have to fight this thing on a, a political level. And what we will wind up doing, if we are not careful, is we will wind up putting, being on the side of Satan instead of the side of God with our, putting our own best in, or our own interest at heart instead of God's interest. Now, so we have to be careful, just by way of review. <laughs> by way of review, point number one, be aware of the big picture. Number two, Demonstrate trust in God by being faithful to God's ministry. Demonstrate faith in God by being, or trust in God by being faithful in God's ministry. Look what Jesus does. He, he is continuing. Now, he knows what's going to happen with the Pharisees. Um, so, but he continues to just teach and make disciples and, and baptize. Now, John points out that he himself is not baptized. Salvation doesn't come through baptism. That's kind of the point here. Jesus came to save, but He came to preach the gospel. And it's the gospel that changes people's lives. It's the gospel that saves people, not not just not baptism. And so Jesus uh, Jesus is just doing what God had called Him to do. He's just being faithful. And listen, when you look at the New Testament, being faithful, that's the benchmark... That's the benchmark for that we're looking for as Christians. Just be faithful. Now, look, I, I know Christendom is is looking for is looking for uh, benchmarks. How do you judge your spirituality? How do you know uh, if you're really mature? And it's being judged, it seems like, today on an emotional level. Boy, if you can reach this height of emotion, boy, then you're really spiritual. Or if this, this height of, of uh, accomplishment, then you're really mature. Or if you, if you know this much doctrine, then you're really mature. But what we see throughout the Old and New Testament, that faithfulness, just faithfulness to, to do what God has called you to do, that's really the benchmark. And Jesus was just being faithful. He's being faithful to do what God had called him to do. Now, I want you to see uh, just a little principle here. Proverbs chapter 4, if you turn over there real quick. Proverbs chapter 4. Um, <clears throat> Jesus is faced with the decision. And it wasn't just a, a daily decision. It wasn't just a decision that you just make on a daily basis. It wasn't just a casual decision. This was a decision. Let me just... Here's a little principle here. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26. Watch the path of your feet, and all of your ways will be established. Now, there's a sense in your life that you've carefully made some decisions about the routine of your life that they reflect certain values. And that's good. They should reflect biblical values. In the day-to-day things that you do, your responsibilities, your roles that you play on a daily basis, they should reflect biblical values. 
And you get to the place that you're really not making decisions necessarily or, or any kind of life-changing uh, uh, decisions on that. Those decisions have been made. And the Bible encourages you to, 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 to be careful. Make those decisions early on and, as, and your ways will be established. Then you're not having to make, well, what am I going to do today? No, you know what you're going to do today. You have your routine. You know what God has called you to do. And you just do those. That's, that's faithfulness. That's faithfulness. But every once in a while, every once in a while, you're forced to make a decision that's just out of the routine. That's not within the daily, uh, daily realm of your uh, responsibilities. And Jesus is faced to make, uh, about making that decision. He's faced to make that decision right here. And it's, uh, and, and, and one of the, it's one of the reasons John's pointing this out. And Jesus has to make the decision. What do I do? Do I stay and I fight these Pharisees? Or do I go and appear to be fleeing and appear to be running for my life or in fear? Now, I don't think, let me tell you, I don't think this was in fear. I don't think this is a, a just a reactionary decision that Jesus made and that he was afraid of the Pharisees. I don't believe that at all. In fact, what he did just before this, what did he do? He went into the temple and he cleansed the temple. There was no fear there. I don't, I don't think that uh, he was running for his life and I don't think he based his decision upon, upon that. Could have been a, a hard decision for them to make. And his disciples may have said, why, why is he doing this? Well, there was that conflict with the, the Pharisees. There was uh, some strife. There was that political tension. But it came down to timing. It came down to timing. I want you to see this. John chapter 7. Jesus was constantly aware of the timing of God's timing on things. Now, remember when he was asked by his mother, uh, you know, uh, will, you, will you do this? And he says, well, it's not my time. The same answer in chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus said to them, my time is not yet here. Jesus was aware of timing, of God's timing for his life. Verse 8, my timing has not uh, yet fully come in verse 30, this is three times in one chapter that Jesus again was, uh, was referring to God's, God's timing. He says uh, at the end of that verse, uh, His hour had not yet come. And in chapter 8, verse 20, so John is pointing these things out, that Jesus was aware of the timing. Um, at the end of that verse, he says, Because His hour had not yet come. Jesus was aware of God's timetable for his life. Now look what was happening. His ministry was young. His ministry was just new. His disciples had not yet been established, had they? They were young. They were not prepared to face the, the onslaught of Satan and, and all that was going to take place. And so he's, he's got these young men and he's got to mature them. And he only had three and a half years to do so. And, and he sets his mind to it and he knows this is not God's timing for me to have conflict with the Pharisees. So he wants to minimize that conflict. Just, just wait. I'm, I'm not going to escalate my ministry now. I'm not going to get their attention now. I'm just going to pull back. Listen, that's just a wise decision. 
Now, it looks like it's just made on a practical level. But I think he was making the decision based upon God's standpoint, from God's point of view. He was making a decision based upon wisdom. It was just a wise decision. And Christ was the leader of this little band, and, and he was leading them. And so he made the decision. He's going to move from Judea uh, to Galilee. Let's go back to Galilee. And there's a a few uh, benefits to that. There was a lot more people that lived in Galilee than Judea. But uh, so, so he made that decision. But now he was going to continue to make disciples. That's what he was planning to do. Now let's, um, let's go back and do a little bit of application. What do you make your decisions based upon? Is it just pragmatics? Now, I want you to notice that there seem to be some pragmatics here. You know, the the political situation, he pulls back and and let's let's just go. I think there was more to that. I think there was a a, a deeper understanding and a more uh, wisdom-based decision based upon some reason, some calculations, and some thinking, and God's timing on this. It was not mere reaction. Let me show you a verse in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Here's what happens. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 gives us uh, uh, some insight here. Jesus returns to Galilee. Now, this is after he is going from Judea. Now he's going into Galilee. Look what it says. Jesus returns to Galilee in power, in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through all the surrounding districts. I don't see this as fear. I see, man, he is going in and he is conquering. He is, he is, his ministry is, is just, is on fire. People are accepting his word. Things seem to be going very well. I don't think he's coming uh, as a result of fear. I think it was a wise decision. Wise decision. What are our decisions based on? Like I said, most of us are just pragmatic. We, we have to live, we want to live safe lives. We have, we have uh, responsibility to families, Right? And we make our decisions based upon those and raising our children and we want to stay safe and, and those kinds of things. But here's, here's the danger. Is we must, must not put our interest above God's interest when we're making decisions. When we are making decisions, we have to know what God's Word says. We saturate ourselves with God's Word and put God's interest beyond our interests. Well, let's do it on, the, on a practical level. What about your job and the number of hours that you work? So, so often we make decisions just based upon our own interest. But sometimes we've got to just stop. We've got to pull back. Am I basing this decision upon my interest or is this what God wants me to do? Are these the number of hours that God wants me to work? Is this the place that God wants me to work? Sometimes I, I believe we base our decisions... I think this is where a lot of the church is today, just our own emotional needs. We're so self-absorbed that all of our interests are just right here, man, just right here. We don't, we don't care what God is doing. We don't care what God's interests are. We don't really care what God says in His words. Boy, my interest is here and this is my, I'm going to base my decisions upon that. 
That's a danger. We have to be very, very careful. Sometimes we base our decisions upon just the political world, the political climate. And again, that's often that's the, uh, just self-interest. It's self-interest. Politics is not going to, to do it. I think the biggest thing many times, though, we make decisions based upon fear. The fear of man. Uh, Christ was not doing that here. He had God's perspective, but it's the fear of man. And we see in Proverbs that that's a snare. And God said, uh, Christ said to his disciples, don't fear man who could just kill the body, but you better fear him who can kill the body. And when he's done with that, killing the body, he can throw you in hell. That's whom you should fear. And that's a scary thought. So we need to be careful to put God's interest before our interest when we make decisions. I think that's exactly what Christ did. Now, he did not avoid conflict with the Pharisees all the time, did he? No, at just the right time, he, he took it to them. And he went into Jerusalem. When everybody else is saying, don't make that decision, don't, don't go into Jerusalem, you know what they're going to do to you in there. And uh, he had to do what he had to do. When we make decisions from God's perspective, listen, that is wisdom. That is using wisdom. That is showing wisdom. When we just promote self and make uh, decisions based upon our own interests, that is not wisdom. That's not wisdom. When we saturate ourselves with the Word of God and we act that out in our lives, that is wisdom. We are like the wise man who built his house upon the, the rock. That's what wisdom is. And we live in a world in America here that has a, a false view of these things. They have a false world view that's based upon uh, a superficial theology, a, a, a liberal theology that says, oh, God is just loving. And they have a, 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 just a, a fragmented view of Scripture and they base the decisions on, on these little things and Basically, self-interest, and it's a false religion that we have today. We can call it Americanism, basically. And, it's, and it's, it's wrong. It's not based on God's interest at all. It's based on man's interest. And it's not, a, not the direction that God would go at all. We base our decisions upon the whole counsel of God. Not just picking and choosing the verses that we want to, but the whole counsel of God. What does God desire? And His desires are seen in His words. We make individual decisions that affect us, but they also reflect the whole body of Christ, don't they? What you do in private and what you do out there, you think doesn't affect you because it's your decisions, but it's, the reality is that it does affect because it reflects the body of Christ. It, it says something about the church here at Daniel's Bible Church or the body of Christ at large. So we have to be very careful, very careful about making decisions. We do so um, from God's perspective. And we need to know God's perspective. Let me give you one last thing here. Jesus made his decision. He said, well, we're going to go from Judea to Galilee. He made a wise decision. And number four, we need to look for opportunities right where we are. 
In a politically charged situation, we can make decisions, but we have to make those decisions based upon the Word of God, based upon the character of God and God's desires, not man's interest. But even in the midst of those situations, God will give us opportunities to serve Him. And this is just an amazing thing because Jesus goes from one politically charged situation to another politically charged situation. And John gives us a lot of detail here in verse 4. Verse 4 to 6. Let me read that. And he had to pass through Samaria. He had to. Now there were two other ways that he could have gotten to Galilee. He could have gone down close to the shore and gone up that way and gone around. Or he could have gone closer down to uh, across the Jordan, more to the desert, and across and gotten up that way. He chooses to go through the hilly country. And and probably, I don't know exactly where they were in Judea, but it it could have been about 30 miles by, uh, by the time today get to this point, they get to Samaria, but he had to go through Samaria. This is a divine appointment. Again, I want you to pull back and see the big picture. God is at work here. God is at work. He had to go through Samaria. Now, we understand that. We understand the problems that was going on there. The Jews hated the Samaritans. They didn't like the Samaritans because the Samaritans were half-breeds, essentially. What happened during the exile, the kings, uh, the, the different kings would take the Jews and take them back to their, uh, to the king's country. And then he would also transplant his people into that culture so that the cultures would just blend. And that's exactly what happened. But when the Jews got the uh, opportunity to go back to their land, they find people there that are not Jews and that, that, uh, contaminates the Jewish line. So they don't have anything to do with the fair, uh, the uh, Samaritans. They go around if possible. They don't go through Samaria. They don't like those people. Those people are different. And uh, what you see is Jesus had to go through Samaria. It was God's timing. He had to go through Samaria. God's intentional plan. Verse 5. So he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar. Near the, near the parcel of land or ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Now John is being very specific where this was. And what we know here, well, he goes on to say, uh, So Jesus, being weary from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. What we have is the exact place and the exact time that this happened. What is John pointing out here? The fact that God orchestrated this whole thing. The fact that God is big enough to handle these big political situations here, but also get Jesus, His servant, exactly where He needed to be at just the right time, just the right place. That is our kind of God. Listen, God has not finished work here in America. He will still use His church here in America, and He will use you to do it. And in, in just out of nowhere, He will create for you an opportunity at just the right time for just the right person, and He will use you. That's what we see, because He's that kind of God. And we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to, we don't have to sit there and second guess and, well, I don't know and, and, and we don't have to do that. This decision that Jesus made, he stopped right there. Why right there? Well, he was just tired. 
He was just tired. That decision to stop right there was just made on a, you know, guys, I just can't go any further. And the guys go on out and say, well, we'll go get some food and we'll bring it back here. And, and so Jesus is waiting there for him. And, uh, and the Lord provides an opportunity for him. It's an amazing picture. Now, look at the political situation. Now, this is going to come up in the conversation. We won't get into it today. But he was right at the base of Mount Garrison. Mount Garrison is where the, uh, um, the um, Samaritans worshipped. They would go up there to worship. And there was a lot of tension between the Jews and the Samaritans because of this one issue. Because of where it is they were to worship. And the Jews said, of course, you go to Jerusalem. And, they, and the Samaritan says, no, we worship up here. And, um, and there, was, there was tension. So he goes and he finds himself right there in this politically charged situation again. He finds himself. And we'll look at that next week. But God used him. Listen, I read this the other day. It was just on Facebook, if you can believe that. But uh, this guy said... Uh, God is always doing about 10,000 things in your life at any given moment. But we might be aware of three of them at a time. We don't, we don't understand how God can do that. But God can. He is completely aware of 8 billion people here on this planet. He knows every heart of every person. And He knows where His believers are. And He can can bring them from point A to point B and have a stop off in between. And have it just just be His timing based upon just your being tired. Hey, let's stop at this restaurant. I'm tired. Let's pull off at this uh, rest stop. The point is, is we've got to look for God's opportunities. Even in this politically charged, even though you might be opposed to, to some of the political views and what's going on in the world, and you should be, we cannot miss the people that God wants to reach. And He will bring you just at the right time, just at the right place to fulfill your God-given responsibilities, exactly what He wants you to do. And we, uh, we have a kind of God that can create opportunities when we don't know opportunities exist. And it is so easy right now for the church to just give up. We say, it's too dark in the world. There's too much decay in the world. And we should use the politically charged situation we find ourselves here in America or, or uh, the results of the elections that may not have turned out the way we wanted to and that should energize us and we should be able to say, let's go, God can change people and God can use the church and God can take us right to where He wants us to be and we can retard the decay in this world. And we can take that flashlight of truth and shine it exactly where God wants us to shine it. God can use us. Now the thing is, is we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared to evangelize the world. Now, I'm not just saying know your theology. I mean, that's good. But you better know how to talk to people about what God is doing. You better know how to... How to uh, point out people's 
sinfulness and the decay of our society. And you better know how to shine that light of truth because you don't know when God is going to use you and you need to be prepared for that. And as a church, I pray... And as we have 150, 200 people, I pray that we would be 150, 200 people out in this community uh, as salt and light in this community. And I pray that we would use this time to just energize us, to, to motivate us in a dark and decaying society to just go, to just do and let God do the work. Christ completely depended upon upon the the providential hand of God. You know, he was just tired. He stopped right there. And just at the right time, he was weary. Just at the right time. And God can handle the national level as well as the personal level. He brings it down to just him, to just Christ, and just this one woman. and, And that's exactly where he wanted the situation. Exactly where he wanted the situation. God can use the political situation to move Jesus from Judea to Galilee. He can use the tiredness of Jesus to bring him right exactly to the woman that he wanted him to minister to. Are you aware of the big picture? Or are are we still sticking our head in the sand and just thinking that all is well in the world? We've got to be aware. We've got to be aware of the big picture. There are people that uh, ideologically set themselves opposed to us. There is a big chess match going on and Satan is a real player here. And we've got to make sure that we are on the right side of this. We've got to see things from God's perspective. And then, let me ask you this question. Are you just about man's interest or are you about God's interest? We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. We will be used in this politically motivated world. We will be used on the wrong side of issues. We will. And it's going to be because we're seeking after our own interests. And then another question. Are are you putting your faith and trust in God? Or are you still pursuing politics as the form of changing our society? Are you pursuing some other means other than the gospel to change our society? It's the gospel that's going to do it. And we need to just trust God. We need to be salt and light and trust God to do what He's going to do. Jesus simply put His faith, put His trust in God. He planned out His his work. He was just doing what God had told Him to do. And He makes a decision and it's all in God's timing. It's all in God's plan. And He's just trusting His Heavenly Father. Look over and we'll we'll quit with this. We'll, We'll close. Psalm chapter 56. Psalm 56, and this is, this is the plea of our heart as believers. Psalm 56, verse 3. It says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I will put my trust, and I shall not be afraid. Listen, we can be afraid in this world. It is a dark place. 
Look down at verse 11. He says almost the same thing. In God I have put my trust and I shall not be afraid. What man will do to me? Wow, can you say that? Can God use you and just take you somewhere just by yourself and God use you and you say, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to trust in the Lord. And I'm going to do what He wants me to do. I'm just going to be faithful even though this is a dark world and I don't like it and it's a little scary. Look over at chapter 55, verse 22. Just one chapter behind it before this one. Cast your burdens on him on the on the Lord and he will sustain you and he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Christ will build his church even though it might be in the desert place he will still build his church. That's the kind of God we serve. We just trust in him. I'm just reminded of this, uh, the little six words that uh, we will pray maybe around this, around this time. It says, God is great. God is good. We could just stop right there. God is great. God is good. We, uh, we serve an incredible God. He is beyond us. He is beyond our comprehension. And He deserves our trust. And He deserves our faith. And we simply just need to serve Him. Be the servant that God has called us to be. Let's pray. Lord, I I pray that we would get the message that uh, even in difficult days, even in times when we think we're losing and the decay is just getting so bad. And the darkness is getting so dark. Lord, help us to be salt and help us to be light in this world. And Lord, we will thank you. Because we know that you are great. And we know that you are good. That's all we need to know. You are, you are that kind of God. I thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.